This show is an ultimate podcast group production. Hey, this is Live Better with Natasha with me, Natasha Hamilton. This podcast is all about exploring your mental, physical and spiritual wellness. Live Better with Natasha is for anyone who is looking to broaden their horizons with their wellness, who want to heal, they want to grow, and they want to feel on top of the freaking world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Live Better with Natasha. So today we are going to be getting deep and talking with Faisal Kokar about recovery after breakup. Oh my God, my heart bleeds already. <laughs> Faisal, how are you? Hi, how are you doing, Natasha? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, this is going to um, be a subject that's close to my heart. <laughs> so this year has been, oof, it's been a roller coaster. I mean, when I actually think about New Year's Eve 2019, Making all these amazing, or setting out these amazing intentions. 2020 is going to be the year, yeah. Um, and sat here now, you know, what, nine, nine months in. <laughs> and just looking back and going, wow, what happened? Like, what the hell happened? It's been such a roller coaster, personally, financially, uh, you know, relationships, uh, yeah. work, the lot, everything has been a complete contrast of mega highs and super lows. And in that process of the past few months of the this year, I've, I've gone through a, a relationship breakup and it's been quite traumatic actually. Um, because it came out of the back of lockdown. Um, okay, lockdown wasn't the easiest time for a lot of people. You know, it wasn't a reality. It was almost just like a survival, a time of survival. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, we've come out of lockdown and I'm looking forward to getting back to a bit of normality and a normal life with my partner. And then the next minute he just wasn't there anymore. It was that it was literally one minute he was there and the next he wasn't. And it's, it's just taken a lot to process something that I just didn't see coming. So with that, <laughs> everybody, Faisal is a relationship expert. What should I call you Faisal? As I'm a life coach and I life focus, coach. yeah, so I focus a lot, help, now my focus is more helping men, men help, helping men with um, getting to know themselves better and also getting to understand how they connect, especially in relationships. My background has been a lot of intimacy and relationship coaching. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I started off, you know, learning, you know, it was, um, it was my breakup. You know, I like what you said. It was, you know, I didn't see it coming. And for a lot of, I think for a lot of person, a lot of people on one side, it's always a case of I didn't see it coming or maybe it was there, but I was ignoring it. Mm. And that was a thing for me as well. I didn't see it coming or I didn't see the breakup coming. I, I saw the cracks in the relationship, but I didn't see it coming. And that spurred me on to, 
go on a real deep journey. You know, it's been seven, nearly eight years. Yeah, that's a long time. And now you're helping uh, other men figure out their shit (laughs) and what makes them tick. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I spent a lot of time helping women um, because they were more open to this. And when it came to relationships, they were, you know, really, um, they want to know more. So they have a real open-minded uh, approach to relationship, uh, coaching relationship. Um, you know, they're, they're very interested in this topic. Whereas for most guys, it's <laughs> that yeah. not interested. They're more interested in, you know, dating and, and getting the girl, but not what happens afterwards. Yeah. So do you think men actually genuinely process like the breakup of a relationship or is the process getting into another one? What I've noticed and in my experience that a lot of guys struggle a lot after breakups and most women, I would say most women in my experience that they bounce back much quicker than guys do. Guys, especially guys in their later age. So like in their mid, 40s or 40s and onwards they they it takes a long you know they do bounce back but it's a a bigger struggle for them for women in my experience i noticed that they're way more resilient when it comes to like managing the emotion okay cool you know i've gone through this breakup and they would have friends to talk to whereas most guys don't have that support network yeah so it's a support network that the guys really like especially when it comes to emotional support network because you know you know you know you know i'm sure you've had this conversation with your girlfriends already about this breakup right hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) and most of the guys you know i went you know i went insular i went like you know i'm embarrassed to talk to uh friends and family about this i felt a real shame about it i'm like okay you know i felt like a real failure i felt failure like a man so I wouldn't really go and talk to openly about this. And because I was, you know, you know, and a lot of guys I see, they're closed about this. So therefore that, that process to overcome this hurdle, it's a lot longer. And are you, is that from the side of the person who didn't see it coming? Is it usually that person who needs to dig deep and find out why they're feeling the way they feel? Yeah, absolutely. So it's usually the person that, in, you know, so in most breakups or most, more, uh, most divorces, the uh, women, you know, normally instigate the breakup or the divorce. Mm. So if you look at the percentages of it, it's, main, it's mainly women that instigate divorce. Right. And, um, yeah, and the guy doesn't see it coming. And then, you know, you go through a grieving process after breakup. There's a really good uh, – so when I went after this breakup, I, I started digging really deep into the psychology of this. And I found work by Susan Anderson, and she did some work on abandonment. And she said that, you know, when we go through a breakup, it's the same as – you know, it's a grieving process. It's the same as that. And you go through, like, five different steps, and she has her own five different processes that you go through. And she said that she links it – sometimes it can be worse than – you know, experiencing death because with death there is certainty. You know, you know that okay, this person is no longer around. But whereas a breakup, there's so much uncertainty around this. 
And there's so many questions mm. around this. Yeah, it's really so sad. Mm. What are the five steps? So I can't remember her five steps because, you know, okay. she has her own specific ones. But it's very much similar to, you know, you're going through your breakup. I mean, I have my own steps in, in recovery. So she deals with the science behind it. So I definitely recommend checking, you know, for everyone to check out her work. It says Susan Anderson and it's about abandonment. And, and what's happening is, after you know, the, that breakup moment, it triggers our abandonment. Or like, and when we trigger our abandonment, we go into fear. Mm. And, and, we, and that fear, you know, translates into, I'm going to be alone. And if I'm alone, and in the caveman days, in the cavewoman days, being alone meant death. Wow. That's heavy. Yeah. And, th and that's all it is. You know, you know, we're a caveman and a cavewoman living in a really modern world with suits on. <laughs> And, you know, and, but our psychology, if you look at evolution psychology, I'm fascinated with evolution psychology. We're still back in the days, like, you know, a few hundred thousand years ago, we're still there. Our amygdala brain, if you look at our emotional brain, it's still there. I mean, for example, is public speaking dangerous? Mm. Well, no. <laughs> Depends if people want to throw things at you. <laughs> okay. That may be your singing or karaoke or whatever you're doing or whatever you're talking about. But, <laughs> but it, you know, public speaking isn't dangerous, but yet it's like the, the number one fear. You know, I'd rather, yeah. you know, but, but why? It's not dangerous, but our, our amygdala brain doesn't think so. You know, our, our emotional brain doesn't think so. But yet we have this intense feeling of public speaking and a fear of public speaking. Yeah, that's very true. Like I, that's something I got into this year and I was having to really dig deep and work my way through that fear. Like my first public speaking gig, shall we say, mm -hmm. I, um, I was last on and I was shaking. I was cold. I was clammy. I couldn't sit down at the table. I had to go and stand up at the back because I was so fidgety. And I was like, oh my God, I've never had stage fright so bad in my whole entire life. Yeah. And it was just, it was the fear of just saying something and it just coming out like, bleh. <laughs> and everyone just looking at you going, yeah, she's rubbish. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy, right? It's just public speaking. But yeah, our brain doesn't think so. Our brain, you know, takes us back in, in you know, maybe a hundred thousand years ago or something. It, it takes us back in that time and it thinks, oh my God, you might say something, might jeopardize or risk the tribe and you can put us in danger. You know, it, it just goes back to everything. Our primal goes back to is, is you know, survival. Everything does. Like it's such like the more I talk about all these, you know, internal issues that we have, it just goes back so far. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, I've been learning recently about like ancestral healing and the, you know, the pain that's been carried through, you know, a womb of another mm -hmm. womb of another womb. And it's going back generations. And you're like, oh my God. It's like sometimes it's not even your shit. It's like your past ancestors you yeah. know, issues and you're carrying them through. And it's like, wow, mind blown. <laughs> it is crazy. But going back to 
what we started talking about, which is recovery after breakup. Where, where do you even start, Faisal? Because for me, you know, I'm quite a few months in now. And mm-hmm. I have, you know, I have been doing a lot of work on myself. But, you know, that feeling when you wake up in the morning and, you know, you look over to the other side and they're not there and you think, oh, here we go again. And it, do you know what? It really annoys me because I've got such wonderful things happening in my life. I've got these beautiful children. You know, life is good, but there's that niggle. It's like a woodpecker on my brain and it's just constantly taking me back to... And I know it always takes you back to these wonderful thoughts of the good times. It's never the bad times. Mm. How do you even start to just quieten down those thoughts? Great question. It's by starting. And that's the thing. You start, you start, and you said, okay, I'm going to. Um, so my step, my first thing was accept, you know, accept it as it is, you know, accept the reality of it and take responsibility this is happening and it happened and accept what it is so i had to really just dig deep and go okay this has happened this is extremely painful it's excruciating painful because i was you know my the painful part was you know i had two boys and i still have two boys (laughs) but they're like two and five at that time and that broke my heart. I, you know, knowing that tomorrow when I wake up, they won't be there. Knowing that, you know, they're going to be on the other side of the UK with their mom. And that's going to be my reality. That's going to be my reality from moving forward. Yeah. And I've been there before. Like when I, I think when I went through my divorce, and my children were going between two houses. It was excruciatingly painful. And that other house that they were living in was literally up the road. And I'd be like, how can we like be so close yet so far away? Yeah. And it took a lot to come to peace that that was the new reality, that was the new normal. And, you know, what, five years into that now, how I see it is, well, when I'm with the kids, I cherish the time with the kids. And then when I'm not, I've got time to do me and catch up on work or do whatever it is I need to do. And now I appreciate the time that we have more. And then I get to do other things as well. Um, And it's, I suppose people realizing that it does get easier. Like, respect, like, God, it's so hard when you, you know, to split a family up. It's hands down the hardest thing I've ever gone through was divorce. It's just, it's, it's painful. But there's like every situation, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And you don't see that when you're in it. You know, the first, you know, the the first moment, it's you're in shock. It's like shock and and that's the you know like the first stages is is shock you're in denial you know and then you know then you go to anger as well then you're going fuck you know what you know why was it you know was it you know was it me was it them and then there's all you know the overthinking 
that's when overthinking goes into hyperdrive. Mm. Now, everything is in hyperdrive. Everything is exaggerated. All your emotions are super exaggerated. And I also found taking, like, because obviously you don't, you just don't ever want to hurt your children. Mm. You want to keep them safe. So at the time, of my divorce, I remember being very much like, well, I won't say too much because I don't want to upset the ki- the kids. And then I remember my eldest one day going, you know, you never talk to us about what's going on. And for me, I was trying to keep them safe. Yeah. But that backfired big time for me because my older children were almost felt like I'd shut them out. And I was like, wow, that didn't go to plan. <laughs> You know, I might be the parent, but sometimes I haven't got a clue and I don't make the right choices and I'm learning from my kids. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, uh, you know, we want to protect them. You know, I came up with some stupid ideas when I was, you know, trying to protect them. You know, I, mm-hmm. I went real, you know, because they were on the other side of the country. So I had to, you know, spend a whole day, you know, there and back. And I find it a real struggle. You know, it was it was a real, real struggle. And I did a lot of it to begin with on my own. And I kept everything internal. And, you know, eventually that, you know, it it just wants to explode. And I think I went down the route of uh, going really dark with it. And Mm -hmm. I was seeing, I was seeing my kids and my, you know, and and the the boys, my older boy, he was five. You know, he would ask me questions like, you know, when are we coming back home? And then he asked me a really difficult question. I remember it, and it was so painful. And he said to me, Daddy, don't you want us? Oh. And yeah, then, and that then, puts deep. Yeah, and, and you're just sitting there. And, and then I was just lost for words. And I you know, put my arms around them. I said, hey, it's not that, you know. And then I explained to them. I had to, I had to find a way to really, you know, relate to them and, and tell them about the situations. The situations changed, and the only way I could explain change at that time was I said, "Hey, you know, you know, you're five years old now." And I said, "Do you remember when you were when you were really young and you used to watch, you know, Peppa Pig?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "Okay." And I said, "Now, when you've grown a little bit older, you don't watch Peppa Pig as much now." And he said, "No." And he said, "You know, I'm into Fireman Sam, and that's what he was into at that time." Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, as you get older, you know, things change, situations change, your your taste changes. Yeah. And I said, and and that's all. I said, you know, um, as we're getting older, as we're learning things about, you know, me and me, your mom, and we're going through these experiences, things change, and it's okay for things to change. It's okay for you to like new things and do new different things. It's always going to be so difficult for the child involved. Always. Yeah. Absolutely. But I don't feel like, personally, that mm-hmm. the divorce has, I mean, I could be wrong here, but how, you know, the divorce was painful, but what we always said was, we put the kids first. Mm. We put the kids first. And we've, you know, we've done things together for for birthdays or, you know, we've helped out babysitting. Um, you know, we go to parents, every parents evening, we went together still to show 
solidarity. You know, we might not live in the same house, but we are still a family. We are still connected. No, it's not that easy for, for some people. But for me, I was like, okay, it might, it might not have worked between me and him, but this needs to be as easy for the children as possible. I don't want to be dragging the kids through this horrendous tit for tat, you know, causing them more unnecessary pain. Yeah. Um, and obviously when you do have children, you're always going to be in each other's lives. Like there's no getting away from it. Like you have to make it work, whether it's straight away, whether it's three years down the line or whether it's five years down the line. Like I've had different breakups. Some have been more amicable to begin with than others. Yeah. But, you know, yesterday it was my daughter's birthday and she's always talking about me and her dad and she's always talking about what was it like when we all lived together and things like that. And I just text Rich. I said, do you want to come to dinner with us? Because Ella's going to love that. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to. And we walked, you know, we walked, um, where do we, we went to build a bear together. She built a bear she literally, when we walked outside the shop, and honestly, it gave me the biggest lump in my throat. And I'm even getting emotional now because just seeing her face, she walked out that shop and she took one hand and held my hand and her other hand and she held her dad's hand and she just looked up at me with this massive smile. And I just thought, regardless of how I feel, it doesn't matter. It's how this little girl feels. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the important thing. It might be a bit uncomfortable. It might not be who I want to be having dinner with. <laughs> but this is a moment that she is going to cherish forever. You know, and it's taken us time to get there. But we are there. And I thought, oh, thank God. Like, look at her. She's thriving. She's buzzing. It was such a beautiful moment. And she keeps saying, mummy, when are you going to meet someone so you can have another baby? And I just say, ask your dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the flip side is, you know, you're with someone, you haven't had any children. And then all of a sudden you've gone from being in each other's lives to nothing. Yeah. And that for me was more painful than any other relationship breakup I've gone through because my normal is to have contact in some kind of way, whether it's been, you know, amicable or not. Um, And then all of a sudden it was like, where did you go? It was just, it was crazy. It's 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 that void, isn't it? It's like that silence and, and that's where the overthinking comes in. And then you're thinking, is it me or is it them? Is it what's going on? Because there's no answers. Mm. And and all we're doing uh, and all we're seeking. So we, we get into this anxiety mode. I remember being in this anxiety mode. Oh, I hate and it. We, yeah, <laughs> and we go through it. We're humans. We experience all of this. And then all we're looking for is that certainty. Yeah. That's all we're looking for. I mean, you know, I realize this in life, no matter what we do, and the primal thing that we're looking for is, that reassurance, that certainty, that knowing, knowing where we are, knowing where we stand. And when things are uncertain, we cannot stand it. That's where 
we really have a problem. We really have anxiety that goes on. We really have sabotaging behaviors that go on in uncertainty. Yep. The unknown. What is your stance on the cutting all contact? Because there's the person who will go, right, that's it. I'm done. I'm cutting you out. I don't want to know. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then there's another way where people will be like, oh, let's stay friends. Uh, Can we do it? And it's like they they can't be with each other, but they can't be without each other. And it's, what's that about? And it's it's that it's that abandonment. I don't want to be abandoned. I don't want to be on my own. You know, I don't want to be. You know, I, I see many couples. They go through a yo-yo as well. You know, we, you know, you go through a yo-yo part. You know, you break up and then you back together and then you break up and then you back together. And it's because when we, you know, I, I love the way Susan Bannon in the Susan uh, Anderson in her abandonment book. She talks about, you know, when we get abandonment. We want to pull, we want to grab onto that person because we're in such discomfort. And, we, and the only way we can soothe ourselves is rather than self-soothing, we climb onto that person, bring them closer to us. And that's the only way we know to soothe ourselves. Mm. And then when they're really close to us, and then everything, all the other emotions starts coming up. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm feeling suffocated now or I'm feeling these are being triggered and then we start pushing them away and then we push them away because we are, we are engulfed she calls it engulfment and then we're like suffocated by it and we're triggered by it we are, we are uh, you know all the different emotions that go on by being way too much into it and then we push them away and then we're like <gasps> and then we pull them back again <laughs> It's not good. It's not good. So, and I remember doing that for the first time because all all I was, was, you know, I felt frightened and I felt scared. And that was the only way that I knew in order to soothe myself. I didn't have conscious soothing techniques. So conscious soothing techniques would be, okay, you know what? I'm going through discomfort. I'm going through this and it takes time and you need uh, what I call like step one of breakup is get support. That's the one first principle I say is when you go through a breakup is get professional support. Get professional support, which is either a counselor, a therapist, a coach, a psychologist, like, you know, whatever you need. That's step one. Because you, all you're going to do is you're going to delay, um, the healing process. You might even damage yourself in the healing process. So get support. And in that support, they will give you some tools. And one of the tools is, and it's, it's the most uncomfortable tool, but it gives you the longest, um, it gives you the, the strength to overcome it quicker and overcome up, you know, overcome other challenges that you have in your life. And that is to sit, you know, and just allow that discomfort. And allow that discomfort to pass. It's just we, we, we can't stand discomfort. We, we, we're really triggered by it. And my, my son, he's, uh, he, you know, it, it triggered his OCD. The breakup happened, it triggered his OCD because it developed a lot of anxiety for him. Oh. And then only recently, in the last, uh, I think, 
three weeks ago, his OCD got really bad again. And I took him to a therapist and the therapist, he did, they did uh, one week of intensive training. They did one week of intensive OCD training. And in, in that one was, you know, you, you're going through discomfort. Okay, you got to ride it out. That's all you got to do. Because the only way to overcome this is to ride out your discomfort. There is no magic cure. There's no magic pill. There's no, you know, seminar or thing that you have to do. You just have to do the, the most uncomfortable thing that everybody avoids. Just sit with it. And if you sit long enough, it, it will pass. Absolutely. I, I found that resisting pain and painful feelings and painful thoughts is what used to bring on my anxiety and my panic attacks. It was like, say if, I'm, I'm going to try and do an analogy here. So if I've got like my force field around me, which is like my warrior and when I've been going through some bad experiences and almost like the emotion is hitting my force field and it's coming thick and fast and it's hitting the force field and I'm trying, like my force field, like knocking that feeling away. And it's almost like that gap between where the emotion is hitting the force field and where I'm stood. I'm terrified to let it touch me and be a part of me. And, and because of that fear, it, it builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up. And then I'm like, you know, I, I can't breathe. I've got chest pains. I'm shaking and I feel terrible. And I'm, I've, I've, I'm having an anxiety attack. And then now it's like I, I've dropped my force field and I'm like, okay. Come and get me. <laughs> Just come and get me. Deal with it and let it move through me. Yeah. So now there's not that, it's it's not coming quickly at me and then I'm going, stop. It's coming at me and I'm just dealing with it. And it's like just having that flow and you know, don't get me, it's, it's still painful, but haven't be, being able to do that is helping me deal with my life situations in a better way. Like I've not had a panic attack for 12 months now. Wow. Okay. Um, which is, and considering what I have been through this year, um, I'm happy. I am really happy. You know, it's personal growth. I'm working on myself. I'm finding tools to, to help me deal with these life situations, that's not going to be too detrimental to myself. Because the only thing that I, I have other people who rely on me, it's not just me, you know, it's the children. And when I, you know, when it all gets too much, you know, I'm not a very present mum. I haven't been in the past, you know, I, I feel ashamed to say that, but it's just, you know, it's human nature. Like I, I haven't been present. I've been down, depressed, whatever. But now it's like, okay, deal with your shit. Just deal with it. Feel it. And then put it to one side and move on. That's it. it. Yeah. That's all you got to do. I mean, I had, it's funny. Uh, I had a coaching call this morning and we were talking about avoidance, you know, and, and guys get a lot of label about, you know, you're non committal and you're avoidant. And I said, no, you know what? You'd be quite surprised 
to notice that it's not just a guy thing; it's actually a human trait. Yeah, and it's you know and you talk about commitment. I'm like you know you, you guys can you know a couple can be together, but it doesn't mean they're really committed. They could, could be avoidantly committed, so there could be a lot of avoidance of emotions going on uh, within a committed relationship, which seems ironic, but it can. So, for example, the one of the tools is you if you try to push away the emotion, you're trying to avoid. The motion it just keeps coming at you and it keeps coming at you. Hmm. And all you've done is extended that emotion because you, you don't want to feel that pain. And the thing is, unfortunately, no matter how amazing you get at growth, you're always going to feel pain. As much as you want to feel pleasure, as much as you want to feel joy and happiness, if you want to feel the range of joy and happiness, you on the other side, you will feel the pain of, um, you'll feel the pain as well. So, you know, pain, you know, emotions are like two-sided. One side is the joy, the excitement, the happiness. You want to feel all that passion. And then you're saying, oh, actually, you know what? I want to feel all that, you know, extreme amounts of it. But on the other side, I don't want to feel any emotion. I don't want to feel any pain. I want to have none of that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work that way. If you want to feel extreme pleasure, you want, you're going to experience the, the other side, the coin, the other side of the coin. But the only thing that we, what we do is we humans tend to make things worse. We get in the way. We get in the way of nature. That's the only thing that we do. So instead of dealing with the pain and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to sit here and in discomfort, I'm going to allow the pain to hit rock bottom, like it's peak point. As soon as it hits peak point, it's got nowhere else to go other than to deflate. But what we do is we try to suppress the pain we try to delay the pain we try to soothe the pain and we try to make it as soft as we can and what happens it compounds and when it compounds and it hits you and hits you like a ton of bricks then yeah yeah so all we do is all, you know, all i say when i work with my clients and I, you know on myself too i'm not okay i'm really feeling really discomfortable i'm really feeling really uncomfortable and what i'm going to do is i'm going to get out of the way of nature because nature wants to feel this emotion. There's a reason, for, a purpose for this. I'm just going to let it do its job. And I'm just going to get out of the way, let it just feel it. And I'm just going to hit its peak and I'm going to build that threshold. That's the only thing I can do is build that pain threshold, not to avoid it. So my avoidance comes, you know, it used to come in a lot sooner. But I'm not like, no, I'm not going to avoid this pain. And I just let the pain. And then guess what? After. Five, 10, 15 minutes is gone rather than being there for an hour, two hours, days. No, I, I totally agree. It's the sooner you deal with it, the sooner you can get on, get through it and get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. Move on. Just, and that's the thing about one of the things about relationships as well. When, you know, when, when guys are trying to support their other half as well, they're just trying to support their partner. And the guys have their fix-it hat on. You know, they're trying to fix her. You know, she's feeling real emotion, and, and the guys go, "Okay, let me let me help her with the pain. Let me try to take the pain away." And they're trying to fix the pain. I'm like, "No, no, because what you can do is you can delay the the peak point. You're extending the peak point. Mm-hmm. So the best way to hit the peak point is empathy, support. Allow the peak point to take place. Allow nature." to do his job. Why the hell are we interfering with nature? Nature has worked this out for thousands and thousands of years. 
our overthinking, our smart ass, our ego comes in the, you know, you know, well, I can get rid of this. <laughs> Good luck with that. So nature, you know, nature has evolution psychology. Nature has a lot of the answers that, you know, it has all the answers. Yeah. It has a lot of the answers. So all we've got to do is just slow down. Okay, so that wasn't my tip number, you know, two. So tip number one was get support. Three tips, and the tip number two is slow down. So we go from a place of reaction to a place where we can actually start responding. So we just need to slow down. We just, you know, be the observer rather than trying to meddle with it. You know, we, we've got a wound. That's we've got a wound, and we keep lifting up the, you know, the, the scar. We keep, you know, the picking the scab off. Yeah, that's it. Picking the scab off. You know, <laughs> plaster or something like as a healed yeah is it done yet is it sorted is it done yeah do you think because we always like the whole the premises of love is happily ever after your forever love that (laughs) one person you're gonna spend the rest of your life with old-fashioned romantic correlation with how Mm. love is so we go into each relationship like oh my god you're my happy ever after and then it doesn't happen and then you're (laughs) like shit you were supposed to be here forever and I think maybe an outdated old-fashioned way of thinking about relationships and love is probably our biggest downfall yeah yeah definitely I I was actually talking about uh, recently actually a couple days ago about happily ever after I'm like where did that come from because it didn't come from evolution and that (laughs) because evolution doesn't say you know uh you know, we're not as human beings. Uh, there's obviously different theories on this, but you know, we're not designed just to be with one person. But I, I know we're not. And I, and I, I, as I'm getting older, you know, and I've got my relationships behind me, yeah. and 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 obviously now looking forward, going, well, what do I want? Like, yes, it would be amazing to like. I do want to settle down. I don't want the bullshit of a yo-yo relationship. You know, I do want someone to be, to share life with. But now I'm like, well, they're going to have to really be able to, and I'm not saying it's all on my terms, but it's going to have to be someone who can be, who can move about, who can, you know, be, we can see each other when we can, but I also get to spend time with my children. You know, for me, I'm even like, Will I ever invite another man into my house? Probably not. Um, you know, the way I'm thinking about my relationship isn't really as romantic as all the other ones I've gone into before. Yeah, now you've got a practical like. Okay, these these are my lists now. These are my boundaries. Yeah. I think is you know you know one of the challenges that we have is we we like boundaries. We like our standards. You know, we we tolerate the things that we don't want to tolerate. As you go older and you get experience I'm like hey I'm not tolerating that you know mm-hmm. I'm not tolerating that so there's there's you know like going back to happily ever after I mean that was a uh you know you're thinking where did that come from did that come from insecurities did that come from hey I don't want to feel abandonment so if I don't feel abandonment you know we'll make it that oh it's got to be one person forever I feel and like then, it could have been like Walt Disney or something yeah but <laughs> if you look at the drivers behind it again what are the drivers behind it what were the emotions 
that led to that belief. You know, as, as a coach, I always look at not the content necessarily. It's like, okay, so we've got happily ever after or one person forever. But what are the emotions that triggered that person to come up with that belief or that saying? Was it because they've, they didn't want to experience abandonment? Mm, they don't it, want pain. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't want to go through pain. I don't want to go through having to find someone. I don't have to be alone. So maybe is that one person? I mean, I, me, I personally don't believe that it's one person forever. I mean, you know, I, I believe that, you know, everything, you know, has a best before expiry day. <laughs> and, and in my experience, and, you know, I've coached many, many couples and I've coached many, uh, you know, thousands of people around the world. I'm not talking, you know, from the Middle East to you know, Australia to Singapore to Russia. And the same pattern occurs if something the same pattern you're thinking okay there is something there then so the pattern is a clue if you want to solve a problem you look at the pot patterns of something that's all you, you know and and we have to put it we have to put away our own emotions our own cycle you know like our own you know what we want in the world and we have to accept first we have to do is accept what is acceptance is you know what not, is everything forever some things maybe some things may not be but whatever the outcome is, we're attached to so, to so many ways of wanting things our way because we want to feel certainty. We want to we, we want to get rid of anxiety. That's all we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to find ways to remove our anxiety. So we're trying to bring more certainty into it. One person heavily up after ah it removes anxiety. And that's just, for me, like now you know, kind of like dating and things like that. It, I'm just taking it for what it is. It's not like, oh, you know, this is the person for me or, oh, like, and obviously I've had a lot of past experience. I say that, that sounds bad. I've not had a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, had, I've had a few relationships and they've been long-term ones, like hasn't everyone? So, you know, oh. talking badly about myself <laughs> there. Um, but this is the thing now, like I've been on a date and – a few dates with the one person and kind of like, yeah, recently I've been on a few dates. See, here's my example, right? Here's my proof. You know, women bounce back much quicker than guys do. (laughs) (laughs) Like how, I've got a load dating app. What, there's apps for this now? <laughs> oh, do you know what? The dating app thing is horrendous. I actually, last year I was briefly single and all my girlfriends were like, you need to go on Tinder. And I was like, do I though? And they were like, yeah, it, it'd be a laugh. And um, I went on a Tinder date. I shouldn't even be saying this. I went on a Tinder date and it lasted all of about an hour. And wow. I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> Deleted my profile. Um, yeah, and got drunk with my friends. <laughs> I was like, never again. But um, oh, I don't know if I really should be talking about the guy that I've been dating. Well, I'm not dating him anymore because it got to a point and I was like, you want more than what I can give you? Mm-hmm. Like I'm just in the dating zone and it's nice to share some time with someone else other than the kids and, and my own freaking thoughts. Yeah. But then, you know, when that other person's like, uh, and you're like, no, <laughs> I shouldn't really be saying this because he's a nice guy. Oh my God. A nice guy. Uh. And no, oh, did I say that? 
<laughs> so, you know, just, just to put it out there, there's, there's, such, there's, there's a, a thing called the nice guy syndrome, but this is a completely different topic anyway. Oh, just, just let's touch on it briefly. No, no, because it's a completely different topic. Nice guy syndrome. Actually, it applies to nice guys and nice girls as well. But usually a nice guy isn't really a nice guy because, you know, they, they have no emotional control about themselves. They, they think they're a nice person and they do everything they can in order to please other people. Yeah. And what happens is in, in going around pleasing other people, they expect, you know what, I was so good to that person, I expect something in return. And when that expectation isn't met, then it's oh, resentful. Oh, they turn. Yeah. Oh. So be very, you know, one of my, uh, my radar is, is this person overly friendly, overly nice? What, what, you know, and I know because, you know, I am a recovering nice guy. And there's a book for men. It's called, actually, it's a good book for men and women. Um, and, if, and it's a great book for, to learn about, you know, the nice guy syndrome. It's called No More Mr. Nice Guy by uh, uh, Dr. Robert Glover. It's, it's just a life-changing book for men. And, you know, women can, uh, partners, you know, they, they, when they read this book, they go, oh, my God, I understand. And she can relate to a lot of the challenges, psychological challenges that she has. Things like people pleasing, things like putting everyone else's need before their need, you know, and you know, seeking validation, seeking you know, approval of everyone else. God, relationships are complicated. You know what? I tell you what. What is complicated is not relationships. It's it's our thinking, our human beings, and and the stuff that we bring with it. Mm. So you know, I mean, I'm doing. You know, I, I was painting my house the you know recently, and I was like. Why am I making this so complicated? Like just simple, there's simple things in it. And we, and our overthinking is like, my overthinking was getting in the way. I'm like, okay, where else do I apply this? Everywhere else. <laughs> I did this everywhere. What were you trying? Why were you making painting so complicated? I know, right? I'm like, okay, so uh, trust me, I have a, a, a computer system mind. So I'm figuring out, okay, what's the best process and what's the impact of those processes? And how oh, can I? Wow. Yeah, okay. So how, how can I time efficiently manage? So if, if this is drying, what's the impact on this? And what's the impact on that? So where should I position some of the actions to have the best impact? And yeah, that's I'm, painting a wall. Yeah, I'm like painting. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, do I do the wood there? Do I do this first? Will it impact this? Can I work on this? I have to move this around. I'm like, just, okay. Why am I, why am I, like, I spent like half an hour trying to calculate all of this. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? That's mental. See, I'm the flip side. I'm like, brush, paint, wall, let's go. <laughs> yeah. But I have Actually, a, that is a bit of a lie because I, I get someone else to paint it for me. <laughs> well, the, the, the reason why I'm painting is to, oh, the re, so my mind's a ritual. So my, my painting is a ritual because it allows me to calm my overthinking mind down. Okay. Because when I'm actually painting, I'm so not overthinking. I'm not overthinking. I'm actually focused on that. So painting to me is a ritual event. It's a sacred event for me where I, <sighs> yeah. So these are my these are my psychological tools. Yeah, go and get a paintbrush. Like, I tell my clients sometimes this, and they're like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Yeah." If you're the person that sits behind a computer desk, all a lot of the time. 
do something practical where you're actually using your senses. You're using your hands, your feet, your feeling, and you and you're have to concentrate in a different way. So what are you doing? You're getting out of your head and you're using the other your other senses. And this is what meditation is about. I'll let you into a little secret. I've got a hobby that I like to do to get out of my head. Okay. Can you, can you see it on, on here? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. Cross-stitching. <laughs> Cross-stitching. So it's like an, it's like a form of embroidery. So you like create pictures by cross-stitch. Yeah, of course. Of, of course I know this. <laughs> okay. And now Natasha's never going to go on another date in the, yeah. <laughs> for the rest of her life. <laughs> Here's the tip, right? Don't put them What is cross-stitching? Really? Cross- is that- it's really quite, Yeah, it's like quite old school, but um, it's just something I've always had a little passion for since I was a kid. And when things are getting a little bit on top, I'll go to Hobbycraft and I'll get a little cross-stitch pattern and I'll do it. Weird, very weird, but it's very relaxing and it just takes my mind off things. There you go. (laughs) Mind thinking and ironing. (laughs) (laughs) We should have the readers and find out what their crazy hobbies or ways to get out of the head. You know, they have... The common ones are like, you know, you go cycling, swimming to the gym. And we want, we want the, the funny ones that we can have a laugh at. <laughs> 100%. Guys, if you've enjoyed this chat and you're thinking, hmm, I've got a little um, strange hobby that I like to do to give myself some peace and quiet, please send us in your messages onto Instagram of the things you love to do to relax that takes your mind off things. You can get in touch with me. Um, at Natasha Hamilton or get in touch with Faisal at at Faisal K Speaks. Faisal, you've been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on today and exploring recovery after breakup. We went on a few different um, little tangents as well, but as always, it's a pleasure to speak to you and catch up with you. It was good. It was good. It was a real... You know, it's re- it's really good to share some of the stuff that we go through, and it, you know, it just makes it easier for people to understand. Actually, you know, you're not the only ones. You know, everyone has a lot of similar challenges. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Better with Natasha. If you have enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcasts. It helps us more than you can imagine to reach more people and share important lessons and conversations about mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. You can also connect with Natasha and become part of the Live Better movement right now by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're serious about scaling your personal or business brand, then you need to be producing audio. Yes, you need a podcast. Podcasting is exploding right now and means that you can reach a global audience, be seen as the expert in your marketplace, collaborate with world-renowned influencers, turn followers, fans, and listeners into paying clients, and open up a world of opportunities. So when you're ready to add the power of podcasting for your brand and business, check out the Ultimate Podcast Group, the team that make this very podcast ultimate podcast group your one-stop full-service agency for all your production needs for more information click the link in the show notes now